Um, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Just keep it up. We'll make sure you get one. There should be some on the ends of the pews. Um, so, what you doing today? Any Eagles fans? Hey, any, any Patriots fans? Oh, there's one. <laughs> there's room at the cross for you. Uh, uh, Benny Carlson informed me uh, that uh, he, he says, um, I'll have to get this right now. I, should, I was not going to say this, but now I'm going to say it. Uh, are there mentions in the Bible of eagles and patriots? Because uh, this is the final answer because it's the truth, right? We learned this last week. The Bible is boss, right? Uh, eagles, uh, 33 mentions. Patriots, zero. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, wow. I told myself all morning, I'm like, I am not going to talk about the Super Bowl. Here I go. All right, Mark 16, verse 15. Today we are at code three, that we do life together. I want to do my best this morning. Is that okay? I want to do my best this morning to define uh, gospel community. Gospel community. It's an important term that I want us to not only understand, but help us live. Um, and and I, th- I think, like, even if you can cognitively understand gospel community and what it means to do life together, like, actually doing it is a whole nother ballgame. And for many of us, uh, as we've read in, in, in the scriptures the importance of gospel community and what God has called us to. And there's been times in our life where we have leaned in on gospel community, church, relationships. And we've leaned in for the kiss, so to speak. And we have fallen on our face. We're hurt. We've been hurt by those that call themselves Christians or we've been hurt by the church, or we've been hurt by something related to gospel community. And so, if we make a practice, or if that's been our experience, um, we're, we're less likely to do that again, right? It's just like with any pain you've ever experienced, physical pain, you're hesitant to do that thing again. Burn yourself, or stub your toe, or some, something, cut yourself in a certain way on accident, you're, you're less likely to do that thing again because you don't want to experience that pain. It's the same process when it comes to gospel community. I, I would actually venture to say that we've all in some ways been there. Am I right? You've been hurt or frustrated or maybe even just not welcomed or accepted um, by gospel community. Well, like, we are far, far, far from perfect. We will always be far from perfect. Um, but it, our aim, our goal in this church is gospel community. Even when we fall, even when we see others lean in in a way and they're hurt or not caught or not seen or not heard, 
that me? Uh, if they're not seen or they're not heard or they're not, something happens where they walk away not feeling accepted. It, when that happens, we've missed, we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark. But still, we have to keep trying. We have to keep trying. Hopefully this is a place where, you've, where you have felt welcome. Hopefully this is a place where you've found gospel community. And if you haven't, maybe today is the start of that. Okay, that's my, my desire this morning. So, Mark 16 and verse 15, I want to start with a quote up on the screen. Uh, as a staff, we've been, uh, the beginning of our staff meetings on Monday morning, uh, lately we've been going through uh, podcasts together, listening and taking notes and discussing a little bit before we get into kind of the business of, of the week and, and what's going on at church. Um, we learned from this guy named uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel. Um, he's a pastor in Oklahoma of a church called Life Church. Um, they're the ones that started uh, the Uversion app, if you have that on your phone. That all came from there. He's just a really wise leader. And he talks a lot about specifically ministry or church leadership. And he says this quote, at least the last few times, at the very end of his podcast, and I want you to see this quote. It's that people would rather follow a leader who is always real than one who is always right. Would you agree with that? That, it's, that you'd rather follow someone who's always real than always right. Um, <laughs> see, I'm trying to live this out, but my wife knows me the best that I love to prove a point. And, of course, she would pro she's probably already thinking this before I even brought this up. She's probably thinking, of course you're going to put this quote on the screen and then try to somehow belittle it, right? <laughs> you're going to try to debate a quote about being right about the fact that you're right about something. <laughs> of course you're going to do that. But I just was thinking about this this week. People would rather follow a leader who is always real than who is always right. Now, is being right important? Is, is the truth important? Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, we get stuck. And I do want to make that point, that truth and being right or the right thing is absolutely important. However, today's point, and really I agree wholeheartedly with what he's saying here, that this, this quote is actually, it has nothing to do with what is right. What does this quote have everything to do with? This quote has everything to do with relationship. Relationship. Even though he's talking about leadership, he's talking about relationships or relatability to the leader that you're following, or the parent you're following, or the, the coworker or boss that you're following, or the friend that you're following. There's some significance here about this relationship of being real versus always being right. Mark 16, 15, hopefully you're there. I'm, hey Jake, can I switch these, is that okay? guys hear me? Okay. Mark 16, verse 15. Simple verse. We're here at code one um, in our vision series. Jesus said to them, one of his last things, 
that he said, go into all the world and proclaim to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will, be, will, believe will be condemned. And all these signs will accompany those who believe, that in the name they will, be cast, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, and they will pick up serpents with their hands, and on and on and on to talk about some pretty radical things. But what essentially is Jesus challenging them to do? Go, right? As a missional church, that's our aim, is to go, is to lean in. But what are they going to do? What is Jesus saying for them to go and do? It's similar as the other account of the Great Commission at the end of the book of Matthew, to go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach them to do all things that I've, I've asked you to observe, baptizing them. Like it's this, this uh, command to go. But where are they going? They're going, or what are they doing when they go? They're going and proclaiming and teaching and living out the gospel, right? But where are they going to? Like are they, are they pioneers digging for gold? Are they looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? So to speak, are they, dis are they like Lewis and Clark? Are they, are they discovering new lands? No. They're discovering and reaching and going to people, to community, to city. And this is something that, like, I think sometimes as, as Christians, as believers, that we, <laughs> if we run away from community and we don't want to lean into gospel community. A lot of times it's easy for us to have this argument or debate in our head of the importance of other people and other relationships and growing together in faith as with one another. There's this, there's this debate that happens. Whether it comes out of a sense of pain that you've leaned in and you've been hurt, um, or it just comes out of laziness, or it comes out of a spot of like, I don't have time for that. But I want to just pause right here and I want to point out the fact that what Jesus is actually called them to do was, yes, proclaim the gospel. Yes, teach them the ways of the nature and the character of God and what he has commanded us to do and baptize them, etc., etc., etc. But where he was calling them to go was to people, to where people were, where they could, they could establish gospel community. So <laughs> if you were brand new to church, um, maybe brand new to following Jesus, um, how many would, would say, um, and I won't embarrass you, I'm just kind of curious, how many would say that, you know, you've been following Christ or, or being a part of a church and, and reading the Bible, like, kinda, it's kind of new for you, maybe even in the last year or two or five. Awesome. It's a great place to be. It's a great, great start. But if I was to, if you were to begin to follow Christ, you asked him in your life to save you, to be to, for him to be your savior, to be your Lord. You understood what he did for you on the cross. You understood he rose from the dead. You understood the Holy Spirit is now indwelling inside of you. He's making you a new creation. You're like reading the word, like just like last week. You recognize that God did write a book. And you recognize that the Bible is, is the boss. It's the map. It's the, it's the way to go. And you're reading through all the New Testament. You get this sense um, that's actually maybe a little bit contrary to what the American church maybe would get. So, 
if you read the New Testament, your first reaction would not be, well, we gotta, we got to get everybody together and build this building, and we got to get everybody there on one, one day a week, and we got to get them in there, we got to grow this thing big, we got to have more services, we need kind of a kids director, we need like, oh, like that wouldn't be your reaction, right? Um, now, I know I'm, I'm kind of discrediting <laughs> what we're doing here, like, so like what's happening right now? But more important than our plans is what the word has said. The Bible is boss, as Pastor Cameron laid out very clearly. So if you read the New Testament, you maybe not see, you maybe wouldn't see the, the, like, the absolute necessity for the gathering in a building and calling it a church. But what you would see is that you are supposed to be and are called to be on mission. On mission. Now, I will not steal our director of missions thunder from, for next week. Um, but I will say, if you read the New Testament, that's what you would get out of it. Like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be filled and doing something and going and spreading the word and like living. Like, yes, I'm on mission, right? But the next thing you would see, the, the culture of what you would see in the New Testament past going, past living on mission, is that you're supposed to do this together. It's not I, it's we. It's not you, it's us. We got to get out of, and I think Conduit has a really good head start on this. We got to get out of the mentality that the church is in a building. I think this is powerful for conduit. I, I actually think it would take us maybe a little bit more uh, energy to explain that, hey, church is in a building, guys, because you guys did this. You're so good at serving. You're so good at when there's those moments collectively as we serve, but living on mission in your life, we see it, we hear about it. It's awesome and all that. But I also need you to know this morning that it's not just you or it's not just me. It's not just like going your separate ways. It's us as one moving, breathing, living organism. Body is what it's called. The body of Christ. It, it, it propels us to this like reality of we. Of we. See, God the Father does not want us to follow Jesus, his son, by ourselves. He doesn't just want us to worry about us being on the Jesus train, saved, our sins forgiven, and us like, just on our happy Mary way. In fact, everything Jesus actually did had less to do with your personal salvation and more to do with corporate salvation. No, personal salvation is of utmost importance. And Jesus addressed that over and over and over and over and over and over and over. But did Jesus spend time with one? No. He poured into 12 disciples. And in fact, he even narrowed it down to like three. Again, he wasn't stuck in this like, okay, I need 12,000 of them all the time with me. So I can, it'll be easier to spread the, the message once I'm, I'm crucified and I, rise, and I go to heaven. Like I, that whole bit, like it'll be easier if I had 12,000. No, he said 12 is good. B team guys, JV guys, teenage boys, um, knowing that even 11 of them are going to actually work out. Um, but that the gospel would spread through them. And even Peter, James, and John, like his inner circle, he was content with that. 
I think, I think that this communicates something. That if Jesus, God with skin, was okay and content with three junior varsity teenage boys to turn this world upside down, mind you, one of them was Peter. <laughs> For real? Like, do you know what this guy did? Like, the moment Jesus is, is like, arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter reacts like a, a man, I'll say, and, and he, like, takes out his sword and he chops off the ear of the guy arresting Jesus. So he's like, oh, I'm like, you can't take Jesus. There goes your ear. And then Jesus rebukes him, like, what are you doing? And he just responds in this moment, like, wait, now I'm confused. And then Peter doesn't know what to do. So he completely, within a matter, before the morning comes, he denies Jesus. You're with Jesus. You're like one of his disciples, right? No, I don't know. It happened three times before the morning came. But listen, Jesus knew that, like, way, way, way back when he had a conversation with Peter and said, Peter, by you, you are actually going to be the rock by which I build the whole church and the whole world on. Jesus knew that. And he knew that. So again, like if he was content with using the powerful relationships that he had on this earth, knowing that even he was leaving, he was sending the Holy Spirit to Peter. He was sending the Holy Spirit to those men, those boys, those disciples. The same spirit that resides in you. The same spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit, who's here today. Radical. And it's the same spirit that binds us together. So, just briefly, I want to give you two things, and then we'll be done. Two quick points. Number one is that you need gospel community. You need gospel community. Yep. You hear me? You need it. You need gospel community. What is gospel community? Here's how I will define it. And I'll define it by uh, calling out what it's not. There's a difference between gospel community and community. Community. Community is great. Friendships are great. Um, having more friends is great. Having healthy, positive, encouraging friends is great. I, I would encourage you, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But in regards to the church, in regards to gospel community, we don't need another social club. Amen? We don't need another place that's just about encouraging one another in life without calling out light, the light of the gospel in our lives. Gospel community is way different than community. And community is great, but gospel community is the very thing that Jesus propelled, like started rolling that would actually turn the world upside down. Let me, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. This is why community is easy. Making friends is easy and natural. Gospel community is not as natural. Um, for some of the reasons that I've already explained. Um, if I was to, let's say I was to, to communicate right now, that my child, my, my sweet little Eden, who's five, has some type of strange fever. Right? Uh, she's had it for several, several weeks. Um, she's been breaking on these rash. And if I was just going to communicate that to you, whether on here or maybe on social media, what would happen? I would venture to say 
that I only had about, by the end of the service, there'd be people up here or people commenting on social media, like 14 random natural remedies of how she can be healed. How, like, we got to put potatoes in her socks at night. We got to, like, rub her face in the snow. We got to, like, spin her around 43 times. We got to, she's got to drink four gallons of apple cider vinegar a day. Uh, like, all these crazy things that some of them sure work. I'm not doubting those. But that's community. That's saying, okay, I see a need, and I want to meet the need. Hey, the world has community. Islam has community. All faiths have community. Jamestown, New York has community. Even misery loves company. Community. But what gospel community is different. If I was to say on, up from up here or on social media, if I were to say instead of my daughter who's sick and has a fever, if instead of communicating that, what if I communicated something like this? I'm really struggling in my faith. I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm struggling with doubt. I'm struggling with God's plan. I'm struggling with, with my identity in Christ. I'm struggling with, with it all. I'm just struggling. If I was to put that out, even though it's as real as my daughter being sick, the response would be different. I don't, I'm not saying it would be less. I'm just saying that the response would be different. There would be many that follow Christ, that are a part of the natural gospel community, that wouldn't know what to say. Like, maybe even if that happened right now, you may be like, what? Like, wait, he's the guy that's supposed to not be struggling with his faith, or he's the one that's supposed to not have that. And then you come to this point, you're like, I don't know what to say to that, right? Or maybe some of you would step in and would pray. Or you'd give... Uh, advice of where, and again, I've been in those spots way too often, as you have, as we as humans that struggle to, in our faith, believe uh, in following Christ in every aspect of our faith. But many of you would come and you'd pray or you'd give suggestion of where the, you've been in the same spot here, there, or, or you're struggling with something. And the, the, but the gospel community would be very, very different. I, I would say that it would be a little bit less. Because it's easier to offer fun remedies about putting potatoes in your socks to help a five-year-old's fever than it is to pray for someone. It's easier to do that or make a meal for someone than it is for us to say, hey, can I sit down with you for an hour over coffee or a burger or whatever and really hash this out and pray this out? I I'm actually, you know, I'm willing to meet with you twice a week until we figure this out. Because I've been there with, with, your, with my faith and like, I don't want you to be, like, that, that should be gospel community. And so I, we're pushing relationship through open house. We're, we want you to be here on Sunday morning. We want you to get to know each other. But, but you need to know that, like, the, there's an absolute difference between community and gospel community. Yes, I'm not saying don't share crazy remedies or awesome chicken wing dip recipes, all right? You can email those to me. That'd be great. Um, but what I am saying, and, not, and uh, I'm not saying either we need to be super spiritual and only talk about those things either. Let's do life together. It, it includes everything. I'm not belittling those things. But I, what I am saying is that this is a gospel community of faith in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, the life. That Jesus is everything. That the Bible is boss. And that God wrote a book 
and that we do live in gospel community, that we do life together. That's the point so far. Those are the codes that we live by. That's what we are leaning into. And it's not even just about a verbal way to communicate that. It's about our life. It's about the, the fun things that we celebrate. It's about the hard things that we may even encounter. But what's at the center of it all in gospel community? I, I think ultimately gospel community should draw us in. But what happens if what happens if an Amish barn burns down? However, four days later, you got a new one, right? Two days? I, I've never seen it happen, but you all laugh because you know that that's the culture, right? Hey, um, we can do better than that. Not that we need to compete, compete with the Amish. <laughs> Although, I'm trying really hard. Like, and many of you are trying, especially Pastor Cameron. But, uh, <laughs> that's not fair. He's not in here. I'm sorry. He's downstairs today. Don't tell him I said that, all right? Let, let me break it to him. Let me break it to him. I forgot he wasn't in here. Uh, we can do better than that. That's got to be even greater than Barnes. As souls, as people, as brothers, as sisters, when we struggle, it's not always about being right. You notice that when we talk about our vision and mission and code, we're not up here pounding out the depths of our statement of faith or doctrine. Although we do have it, and although we do celebrate it and what God wrote in his word. But here's what I know, and I say this like almost bragging on God for this. Is there's like, there's really right-wing people in this room politically, and there's really left-wing people in this room politically. There's people from like all different kinds of denominations. There's people that are in this room that like aren't even necessarily on the Jesus train. And I'm not celebrating that they're not on it. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that it's our job as the church to paint a picture of what gospel community looks like. And it's not just about, hey, someone's got a barn that burnt down. It's about, hey, someone needs help. Hey, you're welcome in. Hey, like this isn't an, an exclusive club. This is an all-inclusive club. I don't care where you're from, what you look like, what color you are, where you fall in line politically, where you fall in line with all the things that are being debated in our culture right now. Jesus is everything. That means he touches everything and he came for everyone. He can sort out in his sovereignty how that works out. As far as who actually receives all that, we can have a greater discussion over that someday that we can still walk away and be friends about. But we can still sit here in this moment and proclaim the truth that he asks you to go. And he asks you to live. And he asks us to live together in gospel community. So what should draw us in? What should, should bring us in? I have a, just a quick clip, a quick video clip that I want to just illustrate for you this morning that um, kind of illustrates the, the idea of being drawn, drawn in. And if you're a parent, you can completely relate. Watch this. Watch the clip. 
Oh, uh, you hear the rapper, so you coming. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. How many babysitters or parents in here are like, that is life right there. Like, man, you just stand, in the, or stand anywhere you want and just ruffle plastic and kids will come like running. Like, what, what new snacks you got, right? I have a feeling that many people come to church or come to God, not because of God, but because of the snacks that he brings. I'm serious. You see, it wasn't about, I have a feeling that, that I actually almost redid this video and tried to do it with my kids, and I'm like, no, that's just perfect and simple. But I have a feeling if that guy would have said, hey, um, whatever the girl's name is, come in here, she probably wouldn't come. It's not about coming to see dad. It's about coming to get the snack. Now, don't get me wrong. God brings and gives good snacks. He gives good things. He draws us in with great and many things. But here's the reality of it. Are you going after God for God? Or are you going after God for your circumstances to change? Or are you going after God just because you don't want to go to hell? You don't want to have to pay the price for stiff-arming God for your sins. See, we, we love the snacks. We love, I mean, I love the snacks. I mean... This is the idea. I want you to examine your heart right now. Why are you here? Why are you part of gospel community? Why are you running after God? Why are you reading his word? Why would you have the guts to say Jesus is everything? Is he? Or is it the stuff he brings? Is it creation? Or is it the creator? I've heard heaven be described um, this way. Is that in heaven, if you, there was no more crying, no more sickness, no more dying, no more hardships, all of your friends, all of your family, everyone you ever loved was there, there was never a bad day, never a bad moment, never a bad anything forever and ever and ever, but Jesus wasn't there, would that still be heaven? The sad reality of that. Is that, he like, heaven is those things? But heaven is Jesus. Heaven is Jesus. And even if you don't know him, he is the source of all, and the goodness and the joy of all of those things. He is enough. He is enough. Listen, like, when we say that Jesus is everything, and we're inviting people into gospel community, it's not like, hey, guys, Let's get in a, in a huddle. This is going to be great. We're going to be one. We're going to be unified. This is going to feel so great. That is great. But at the center of that huddle, what it's all about, what we draw people in to is Jesus, is his Father God, is his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He is enough. He's all we need. He's all we want. He's all that. He's the, the reference point. 
He's the very center of where we need to go. Do you get that this morning? We're different than just community. We're gospel community. We don't want you, yes, we want you to eat together. We want you to have meals together. We want you to be a part of an open house. And yes, there's times where you just talk about your kids and you talk about soccer and basketball and the big game and you eat chicken wings and you have all kinds of fun stuff. You have great conversations. You do life together. You celebrate birthdays. You go on vacation. Whatever you do in community. But listen, Jesus has got to be the center. He's the very thing that draws us in. Not what he brings, not his snacks, but him. Him. So, lately, um, <laughs> the Eretz have taken a big step into uh, faith in chickens. <laughs> so, this past week, we, we currently have 65 hens. And they, they're not laying. And, and, and their life is, is hanging in the balance. <laughs> grace upon grace upon grace until it's run out, all right? But, it, you know, this is like a, a big thing for my kids. They do all the work. They sell eggs at the road. It's so much fun. Well, they probably would say it's fun, but they get to keep the money. So they do all the work of this. So we ordered 100 chicks this past week. Now, I, I brought a couple for you today. Um, these guys are, or girls, sorry, they're girls, <laughs> sorry, girls, they're loads of fun, um, let me illustrate how, oh, you're good, you're good, good, oh, almost dropped you, that would have been bad, so we've ordered, oh, jeez, yes, right, just that sound, but imagine that, like, all day and night, <laughs> times a hundred, Right? So, um, I won't let you touch them, because they'll probably, you'll probably die, but, um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, these guys are so cute and cuddly and fun, right? Um, here's, here's some stuff that I've learned about them this, even this week, um, as I was preparing for gospel community. Um, these guys need heat. Uh, in fact, they need they need approximately 90-something degrees um, in the first few weeks of their life, and they grow, they're going to grow quick. In fact, just in the last few days, like, their wings have changed a little bit. And no, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but you cannot have these wings. It's your own wings. Um, uh, they've, they've changed a lot in the last few days, but they, they need warmth. And so that has to happen through, well, naturally it happens through mom. It happens through... Uh, through mom, through uh, her sitting on them, so to speak, um, through each other and the body heat that happens. But obviously we supplement that heat with a heat lamp. And it helps heat up the, the, the bin that they're in for a certain uh, amount of time. But here's what happens. As, as they begin to warm up by the lamp, they get close underneath the lamp and they huddle together. Like literally, there's a hundred of them. And they're like, they look like one. They're just tight. And then all of a sudden, like, their body heat is helping warm them to the temperature that they need to be. Now, cute and cuddly, right? But here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've noticed. Um, 
the last few days. Unfortunately, uh, not, and this is typical, it's not just, I, I mean, I know I'm a novice farmer, but like, I'm not a bad farmer, I don't think, maybe, I don't know, you decide. Uh, but the thing is, is a lot of, or some of them don't make it, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, uh, a lot of them, they, they were shipped from Cincinnati, Ohio in the mail, three days. Um, yeah. Showed up at our house, literally our front door, in, in the end of January. Um, and so there's a lot of things they got to go through. But we've lost a few of them. And here's what I've noticed. That it's not actually the elements that have, that have been an issue for them. It's, it's other things. But ultimately, I wanted to illustrate this morning in a tangible way of what gospel community looks like. That when you huddle together, there's this natural, not physically, don't cuddle here. <laughs> there's this natural thing that happens. Each other's needs are met by that warmth. The very basic function of what they need to live happens. They need, you need gospel community. It's important. It lifts us up. We encourage one another. We help one another. We, we meet tangible needs for one another, financially or food or a listening ear or prayer or whatever it is. Actual needs are met. This verse has been echoing my mind all week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. This is Paul, and he's writing to uh, a church in a, a place called Thessalonica. And it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. Just as you are already doing. He's encouraging them in their encouragement. He's building them up. He's pushing them along. There shouldn't just be this like, hey, I'm struggling. Let's struggle together. There should always be this like pushing and and pulling of like, hey, you got this. Come on. You can make it through this. Like, I've been there. Or, like, I have no idea what you're going through, but I'm with you. Like, here's some advice. Or here's some, some, like, some friendship or my presence or a meal or whatever. Like, you're pushing. You're encouraging them. Like, I haven't seen you in a few weeks at church. Like, you should show up. Like, because you need to be connected to the body of Christ. You need to be in gospel community. But here's the other thing I've noticed about these particular chicks. Um, the very thing that actually, um, let me state it this way. The very thing that they actually need to live with each other is also the very thing that actually can kill them. Um, we've lost a few this week for a couple reasons. One, even though they're cute and cuddly, they're killing machines, man. I don't know if you knew that or not. And if you actually compare, uh, like, uh, a raptor dinosaur with it zooming in on the face of a grown chicken, there's a lot of similarities, right? Even though they're, they give you cool nuggets and they have got feathers and stuff, they're killers, dude. Um, these guys, even as chicks, like, they... They get to the spot, and I don't know their personalities, and I don't know their studies. This is like Redneck Farmer 101 on Garfield Road. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but this is just observation. Is that they care so much about what they need that it could kill somebody. 
as they're seeking what they need. When what has been designed is that they would meet one another's warmth by that. So what happens is, is maybe one of them becomes weak. And, and literally that's happened. Like one of their legs don't work or they're struggling or they're tired or whatever. And they get under that cluster. It's like death by paper cuts. Seriously, it's the most, it's, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying not to be gruesome, but I want you to get the picture of this. The other thing that we notice, especially as they get a little bit older, is they peck at each other. And what they'll do is, especially if there's a lot of them, they'll take one particular one, and I'm not sure if they're like, they're like the problem kid or what, or if like they're just annoying. I'm not sure what the deal is, but they pick one. they're dead. This is not a quick process. And we've, we've had chickens before. We've went out and they're like, it's like a quarter of a chicken. Or like a giant hole in the side. I know, I'm sorry, but I need you to see, I need you to understand that when we live in gospel community, that same thing happens to us. You get pecked at. You get picked on. Or you take something in somebody's life and you just peck at it. You forget your own stuff. You forget your own need. You forget your own need of sanctifying yourselves through the, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, being on a chain, uh, the train running after Jesus, so to speak. You forget that for a moment and you begin to see the other person's shortcomings. And you peck and you peck and they can die. Obviously, this really doesn't happen a lot, especially in this area, physically. Um, there's not a lot of murder in this area. But there's a lot of murdered, so to speak, souls, hearts, minds in this world by the church, by gospel community. It's a sobering thought, but, but I want to challenge you to this. The reality is, because honestly, that's not as gruesome. If you've been pecked, if you've been hurt by the church or other Christians in some way, shape, or form, I would say it's actually more gruesome than that if you've been there. There's nothing worse, actually, than that. Not being accepted in a place that should accept everybody. May we be a place that does life together and it's not a place that we're pecking on each other. May we be invited to the grace of Christ, the peace of Christ, the mercy that he's shown us. May we show others. And when you're the one that's getting pecked on, when you're the one that's had some really hard things happen to you, and you're the victim, may you forgive. May you let go. Hard to do. Hard to do. But that's gospel community. That's what he's called us to. That's what he died for 
us to be a part of that journey, to not just experience it ourselves, but to invite others into gospel community. So you need gospel community. <laughs> we do what together? Life. Yeah. Yeah. Life. What is life? Is life all sunshines, rainbows, marshmallows, garbage, fecal matter? Yes. We do it all together. That's life. He's called us to do life together. But listen, when we do life together, we're drawn into the focal point. The focal point isn't even, look how cute you guys are. Or the, the point is not, oh, look at the, look at them. They're so united. Their barn burnt down and they build it back up. That's awesome. The point is not, oh, great. The church is getting along. Yes, we're going to be all right. That's not the point. The world should look at it and see the point being Christ is exalted. Christ is the center. Christ is the point. Not all the good things that come that he gives or that when we begin to follow Christ, that he, these blessings start flowing in our life just by us walking in the light that he's showed for us to walk through his word. It's not just that. He is the center of all of that. There's one just quick thing I, I want to I preface um, because I know that, did one just, okay, we're good. Um, um, just real quick, Acts 15, you can listen or, or you can turn there. Acts chapter 15, there's a really interesting uh, thing that happened, and I would encourage you, because we don't have a whole lot of time left to talk about it here, but if you're at a spot where perhaps um, you're struggling in a relationship, or you have conflict, or there's a situation that... Um, or there's a situation that has come into your life or your church or anything in your family or extended family that you're struggling with and having a hard time dealing with conflict or even a disagreement, disagreeance. The most amazing New Testament partnership of ministry was Paul and Barnabas. These two guys, they went on this missionary journey and changed the world. But in Acts chapter 15, they actually had a sharp disagreement is what it says. That's Verse 39, it says that they had a sharp disagreement. And what they, were, what they were disagreeing over, I won't get into today, but what happens is they, in that sharp disagreement, disagreement, they dealt with it in a godly manner, in an honorable manner. And here's what happened. They both, they both went on on different missionary journeys with different partners, and the gospel was thus spread the entire world through those. And oftentimes when there's conflict or there's a struggle or a disagreement, maybe in your family or, or, or workplace or relationship, we're paralyzed in that. Like, okay, wait, whoa, whoa, there's a disagreement. Like, that's, that's, that stuff happens. Even to the Apostle Paul. Even to Barnabas. But they honored God. They didn't give a lot of detail. And they went their separate ways. So you need to know that the whole idea of being real versus right, the, the struggle here, the fight here is for someone being 
real to the gospel community that they're called to live in. And honoring God and honoring each other and perhaps going their separate ways. Number, or Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone else can see you're honorable. Do it in a way where you're communicating with your life that even in that disagreement, even in that conflict, even in that drama, that you're honest, you're honoring them, you're honoring God, you're honoring the gospel community that you're a part of. Listen, like, people will learn more about you and how you deal with conflict. Mom, dad, son, daughter, friend. They'll learn more about you, especially as a leader, and how you handle conflict than anything else. So we have to get that. We have to get that. Um, final thought. <laughs> First thought was that you need gospel community. The last thought is simple. The gospel community needs you. The gospel community needs you. Just quickly want to point out the fact that for Conduit specifically, when you're not here, like, I don't, we don't, like, we're not like, hey, you need to be in church every week or you don't love God, right? Like, we're, you're not hearing us say that, right? We're not coming from a legalistic perspective. But one angle I will come at with a lot of heart and passion to you is that when you're not here, it's not even necessarily about you missing it. It's others missing you. It's others missing you. What if the day that you decide to not be here, or forget church attendance for a moment, what if you don't lean in to gospel community? What if you don't share the hardships and failures of your life? What if you don't lean in with all authentic, um, with authenticity and sharing what God has done in your life, what he's redeemed, the mistakes you've made, and where you're at? What if you don't do that? If you don't do that, you're not helping on mission. You're not helping the body of Christ. When you're helping the body of Christ the best is when you're leaning in to even your mistakes and how God is redeeming you in that. Because this church is a missional church. We're on mission, which means we're, we're leaning forward. It's not necessarily about soaking in and soaking it up and us being on a, a sweet country club train to Jesus forever and ever. It's about opening our doors that the body of Christ isn't about a building. The body of Christ is about you living and breathing and living it out in gospel community. May we celebrate one another. May we clap when others are succeeding or get a raise or hit, get a big promotion or get a, a, a different uh, thing in their life, a new child, a new, like, whatever it is, may we, sell, may we be the first ones in gospel community to support them, to clap for them, to encourage them, to compliment them, to bring confidence to the body of Christ. May we celebrate in that. And when they're hurting, when they've fallen, when they've messed up royally, may we be the first ones there, not to point and laugh, but to extend a hand and get them up. Because we were just there yesterday. And here they are, they're in that spot. Let us be the community of people that would do the same for them that we would want done for us. Jesus challenged us to love 
our neighbor as ourselves, loving ourselves, like we get that. We don't have to like go through a big study of how to love ourselves or give ourselves like first dibs on things. But Jesus is calling us out to do that for others in gospel community. Final thought. Final thought. As you become the hands and feet of Jesus, I want you to see ultimately that it's not just the people in this room that may need you, that may need your warmth, that may need your encouragement, that may need your prayer, um, that may need lots of different things. Here's the thing, like, we exist on mission for the people that actually aren't here yet. You see that? Like, this is about the people that don't know that a place like this exists, that don't know that Jesus can forgive them, that don't know that they can be that they can go to heaven forever and ever, and that the sin and the mistakes they've made have been paid for, that it's been paid for on the cross, and it says it's finished, they rose from the dead, and they can have new life in Christ. They may not know that yet, but they're going to know that through the way we treat one another. They're going to know that through how we invite one another into our homes, our lives, our issues, our stuff, our junk, our lives, may they be a fishbowl others to see and others to learn the good stuff that we like to put on the front row and maybe even the real stuff that's way in the back row that God is still working on and he's still redeeming and we're trying to follow in a line of obedience and, and redemption of what he's doing. So my challenge to you today is to lean into that. 